Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios with your hosts, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. Welcome into the Wildcast Studios for the draft preview episode of the Wildcast Podcast, your unofficial voice for all things Moncton Wildcats. As always, finishers, I am your host, Adam Lund, and I am joined by your favorite co-hoster, Mr. Mock Draft, Mr. Jeremy Boucher, buddy. A, how's the Mock Drafts coming? And B, how was your birthday weekend? Mock drafts. Uh, I've got. Uh, I just wrapped up one with the uh, the fine the fine folks at uh, Puck Preps, uh, Braden, and uh, helped out uh, with uh, Andrew Piercy and uh, Christian uh, Cote, which was uh, which was fun. It was uh, it was nice uh, to be invited to kind of assist uh, those experts with their uh, with oh, their no, picks. No, no. And... Not those experts. Wow. You are an expert, wow. my friend. You're, this is your season. You're you're the draft season guy. I I, I guess you know it's uh, something I look forward to every uh, every year, and I'm getting uh, pretty pretty pumped up about it. Yep. You know, it's right around the corner. We're you know three less than a month away. Yeah, three weeks, uh, three weeks away here, and uh, it's, it's gonna be fun. Other than yeah, the the, the uh, birthday was on uh, Sunday, and uh, my selfish side, of course. I uh, had my birthday on Mother's Day. Very <laughs> selfish of me yeah, uh, of yeah. to, to as, do that. As uh, Dobson said, you're the only guy that could take that could hijack Mother's Day for your birthday. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I tried not to uh, have the day about uh, about me. You. you know, it was uh, there's there's more uh, there's important women in uh, in my life that uh, that take that take more. Yeah. Uh, the Mother's Day means more uh, more than my birthday. So you know, I, I I made sure it wasn't about me and. You know, I I got gifts, but uh, other than that, it was was good. Got gifts, gave gifts. Got gifts, gave what did, gifts. Uh, what did you get, Megan? What did Avery get, Megan? Um, so I kind of got a. Did Avery? Avery got her a card. Did Avery get anything? Avery got her a card. I I bought a gift, so I bought her something for the bathroom. Night. Did Avery make something from school? Or yes. Just, yeah, yeah okay. it was like a Mother's Day card. Yeah. But I got her a, a thing for the back of the toilet that says "Have a nice poop." <laughs> Uh, so it's a double-sided thing where you can like kind of put your toilet paper in it. Uh, so on one side it says "Have a nice poop," and the other side says uh, "Please remain seated for the entire performance." Uh, so um, yeah, it's, uh, you can you know put your toilet paper in there and uh, some candles and some you know one of those scented things that makes. Was sp- that an Amazon shop? Yeah, it was. was yeah, somewhere yeah. local. Yeah, it was Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was, uh, it was good. I just, uh, searched, you know, bathroom, bathroom stuff. And yeah. that was one of the things that, uh, popped up and, uh, you know, we don't have much in the bathroom in terms of decoration. So I thought, uh, <laughs> so why not? I thought, uh, have a nice poop would yeah. be, uh, no, that's... would be a good, uh, good little yep. kind of matches our, our personality. And, you know, we like to talk about our, our dumps and how long it takes. And, you know, it's, uh, that's just the way she goes. We've said it many times before, ladies and gentlemen. Chris has actually said it, brought it up the first time. How the Bouchers don't have a show on Rogers TV, I we do not know. That would be a quality television. Um, we talk about reality TV all the time. Yeah, putting the Bouchers on Rogers TV as a reality show would just be just be something else. I did not go with the the number two style gifts. Mm-hmm. I just uh, got uh, got my honey little. Uh, Little nice golf outfit to go there golfing as we're now members at Hillsboro and um, I got her a Toronto Blue Jays putter cover oh. um, as a gift from Riker because that would have mm-hmm. been he would have been able to pick anything he wanted for his mom and that's what he would have picked. So mm-hmm. 
that's what we did. And then I cried myself to sleep Sunday night as the Oilers. Uh, oh, my Stanley Cup pick, man. Jeez. Yeah, a lot of people's Stanley Cup picks. and Yeah. Especially after the first round, you know, it was, it was, uh, and, yeah, uh, that was. It's just, th- that's the Batman world. And he wants 93 he came in. That was the last Stanley Cup champion. I'm not saying he's always against America, but the fact that your final four at the time of recording, we're not sure what it is. Could be Vegas, Seattle, which is Bettman's wet dream because it's the last two expansion teams, and Carolina and Florida. Some like, teams coming home with their first Stanley Cup, right? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's well, like I shouldn't say first, first. Yeah, uh, nope. Carolina will be the Car- only team. Yeah, Carolina won never won. Yeah, and then obviously Vegas and yeah, Seattle and or I mean Dallas has won if Dallas gets there, but yeah, we all know Bettman wants this because he. Vegas and Seattle were gifted opportunities um, in the expansion draft. And I just, I got to a point where I'm not even mad at the Oilers losing. I'm just disappointed. Mm-hmm. We got past LA because of our depth and look, Vegas is good. Vegas has four lines. They circumvented the cap real well so they could add Barbashev and bring back stone magically the day before the, <laughs> the regular season. But not even that, just the NHL in a whole, I'm just so tired of this game management BS. Like there's two different sets of officials, whether it's regular season or postseason, and you see it across every team. This isn't a Canadian thing. If the, if the, if the Oilers know that Steve Kazari's refing, he's going to make his impact. And he mm-hmm. did on the Broberg penalty, which yes, it was technically a hold. Eichel was holding his stick. The ref five feet away from him. Doesn't call anything. Steve Kazari makes the call. The Leafs with Wes McCauley. Like, there shouldn't be a standard where NHL refs for certain markets know that they're going to get in trouble. And Mm. it's just, it leads to why, sorry for the bit of a rant here, but it leads to why the NHL is the sixth most popular sport in in the United States. People are sick of Tom Brady and the Patriots and Mahomes and the Chiefs because they're always on primetime. The NFL markets their stars. They're sick of... The Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, because they market the stars. The NHL had a chance last Sunday night to have the two best players in the world in a primetime slot as the only NHL game, and they couldn't get a deal with ESPN because they wanted to go to a baseball game, which all three of those goals were missed by people down in the States because uh, ESPN stayed with a 9-1 game. They wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't go to ESPN 2. Oh. They wouldn't trade with TNT, as some of the rumors I saw online. They stayed with that 9-1 baseball game, and people missed three of the goals in the first oh. period. So it's just just figure out a set and figure out a standard and call it across the board. If it's a penalty, great. If it's not, it's not. But it's just I'm so tired of this game management crap that you see all the time. Yeah, I mean, I was I watched the game, and, you know, I, I, I realize, you know, it's it's easy for me to cheer against the Oilers. As it is for me a, against the Flames. Because I'm a Flames fan. Yeah. But at the same time, I picked the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. So I was kind of—it was kind of like one of those um, sweet. The Oilers aren't going to win the Stanley Cup. Damn it! My Stanley Cup pick's <laughs> yeah. not going to win the Stanley Cup. Both years, because uh, you had Boston too, didn't I you? Had Boston, yeah. yeah. So was, I still got a, a horse in the race because I mean, I didn't James? think I didn't think Florida was going to beat Boston, but I didn't think because of the President's Cup, Boston was going to get yeah. to the Stanley Cup final, but. You had some change in Calgary land. Yeah. No more Sutter. Mm, thank God. Maybe they bring in Gerard Gallant. 
No, no, it, it's maybe like they, they will, they, will they promote from within? I I think so. Um, how can you not? The Wranglers are doing so good. Yeah, like, well, Mitch, Mitch not... Love, Mitch Love has won two straight AHL Coach of the Years. Right. Uh, I just think it's a perfect fit. The only thing that would stop him from getting a job is if they hire the GM externally. Uh, if if they're if they're hire you know if they go and and just say okay Craig Craig Conroy take over this team Craig Con- Conroy will hire Mitch Love in in a heartbeat is Craig the assistant in Calgary is I, he or is he running the Wranglers I think he's got some sort of a a foot in with the team okay I don't know what his exact position name is right uh, but there's talks of of now they're gonna they're hot they're looking at the Leafs assistant GM because he's a cap guru. Uh, and they're talking about this guy, and then this guy. I'm like, man, like, why are you hiring externally? If you hire externally, you're not going to literally get the best coach available who knows your young players, who will literally allow Jacob Pelche to play. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and Daryl Sutter just had him, you know, eating popcorn, and so it was kind of frustrating. And you could uh, see the impact Pelche had when he played. Yeah, they they were winning. You can see the like look at Mackenzie Weger for in the World Championships. What does he got? Like six points, and mm, that's good. What do you got there? Uh, blueberry lemonade. Oh, nice from Cold Stream uh, Clear in uh, nice. Nova Scotia. It's damn good. Mm, yeah, bad. isn't isn't Mackenzie Weger like leading Canada in points? Yeah, he's the up there. Team? Yeah, he, away he, from Sutter. Yeah, yeah. So you can tell it's Sutter was, was a tremendous coach, mm-hmm. uh, but I think once you, I don't necessarily think he lost the room, um, but there was a a reference that I heard. And it's, you know, it's it, it's it's not. Uh, I can't I can't think of it right now. But it's it's like they, when you run out of time, or your mm-hmm. the players just stop paying attention, right? When you when you can when you're consistently running the same systems and you don't adapt, the players are not going to change their ways, right? Right? Because if the players go and go against the game plan. You know that's going to look bad on the players. It's also going to look bad on the coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were just listening to Sutter and, and following the game plan, and the team went nowhere. You know, you have Matthew Kachuk, who's a heart, a fucking excuse me, my friggin' heart trophy candidate with Florida, and okay, the year before Huberto was putting up crazy yeah. numbers. Mac yeah. Weger was putting up crazy numbers. And then they come to Calgary and they're they're almost invisible on the ice. Yeah. Um, so it's it's clearly the coaching. Um, Kachuk was great last year, and then got traded to Florida, but he's amazing. Yeah. You know, he's just a completely different player. Uh, so that I'm you know I'm happy that there's that there's change. I'm I'm excited for for next year because they have a team that can win, and it's just um, they've got to get the right you know the right bodies and. Aces, they gotta get the aces in their places. That's that's the the term I like to use because yep. that's what we used to say. It uh, you know when I was a seventeen year old uh, burger flipper at McDonald's, they used to say uh, in rush hours uh, we need our aces in their places. And you know if you were good at flipping burgers, you were working the grill. If you were on if you were good making the burgers, you were on the line. If you were good at taking orders, you were in drive through. You know, and it's mm. it's this it's the same thing at sports. You know, yep. it's the same. It's the you've you've got to. You need to have the right bodies in the right place, and if you do, you're going to succeed. And we've seen that here. If, if guys yeah. get extended, guys tend to struggle. But yeah, a lot of changes in the Canadian markets in the NHL: Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, 
Toronto's the biggest one, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of changes. It's not an NHL podcast, so let's get into some draft talk. Uh, don't forget, as always, you can follow us on the social medias: Twitter, Moncton Wildcast, Instagram, Wildcast Podcast, TikTok, Wildcast Podcast, and of course, like and subscribe right here on YouTube. Uh, you asked me to wait for two weeks to yeah, ask you the quick question. question. Yes. So uh, two weeks ago, I said, would you be comfortable moving up? Uh, the second overall for Denwayne and Wang. Yep. Um, keeping in mind, it's probably going to, and as the, the weeks have gone on, um, I've lightened on this stance, but I'm going to wait mm-hmm. for your talk. It's probably going to cost two firsts this year, a second yeah. or a player this year, a first and possibly a second next year. And I kind of mm-hmm. forgot, Big Como had to make that move then. Shakutami mm-hmm. does not need to make this move. They can hold Moncton or whoever for ransom. Mm-hmm. You know Blaineville isn't moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said I was comfortable moving up to do it. What say you? Um, so off the get-go, I'm going to say flat out no. Um, and I'll kind of there's, – there's a few reasons why. Um, a, if – if I'm right now, is this sorry? Is this no for no for trading up? You know, Denway and Huang, or no for trading up in general, whether it's Denway and Gute? No for in trading general. at all. Okay. Yeah. Um. So so no for Denway and Gute. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's a no. So any trade up to second for any player, you're just it, a, it's no. a no. Okay. Um. If when if Huang or Huang or Huang, um, starts to drop uh, yeah, because he's um, a player who's very, very smart yeah. in the classroom. Um, from what I'm here, he's like 95s across the board. Um, so very smart kid. Um, so that would clearly uh, draw him south of the border. Um, if he starts to drop, I wouldn't be against putting together a package to trade up and getting him. I just don't see him dropping. Uh, you know, he's, he's you don't from think the USHL thing. lets him drop a little bit. No, I don't. Cause you get Blaine bill at third. Um, and he's from that area. And I think if you can get him into that market where he's close to home, mm-hmm. I think will will help the Amarda with the recruiting process. You might not see them announce that he signed a week after the draft, but uh, I think it's going to take some time. I remember when it's, the Wildcats didn't announce the Jordan Spence signing until, you know, mid July. Yeah. Right. So, um, there's there's some there's some players that take their time with these decisions, and uh, I think I think he's one of them. I, I I don't see a scenario where he gets past Blaineville. It's just a too perfect of a fit. Um, but you also have to think, well, the Shakutami maybe swing for the fences and try to take him at two, and if he doesn't go there what team's going to pay the price to get his rights right and that's that's where you kind of look at okay and well, again shikumi's got four picks in the yeah. first round so they can afford to take a take a risk uh, but I, a risk. I think if they take a risk they're going to take a risk on zachary moran at which, 11 or a two um so apparently you can't use a compensation pick um off a lottery selection to take a player who i i forgot how, how, how it's worded there but right if they were to take Zachary Moran with one of their compensation picks this year in the first round, and he doesn't report, he they're not getting a compensation oh, pick. Okay, next so year. E- either twelve or sixteen, I think, is what yeah, they have. Comp- yeah, so, so they could do two or eleven. Yeah, Shakutami can afford to take a to take a flyer. Um, so if they take a flyer on Moran, it'll probably be pick eleven. Um, 
Now, the reason why I'm not doing it is if I'm kind of in that same mindset, like if, if I know where the Wildcats are going with their, with their 13th pick, there's a player that I'm targeting mm-hmm. that I think would be a perfect fit. Um, so that's why I'm not trading that pick. Uh, pick 18, I think, is – I think we, we can all s- agree it's going to be traded. Um, 13? Uh, 18. Oh, 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's rumors that it's going to Bathurst. Uh, for what? No idea. Uh, but it's – I think that – It's got to be a two-year player. Yeah. It has to be. If you're giving that up, it's yeah. got to be a two-year player. So that's the only thing. I, I, I'm not making it that the trade for that for that reason. If Gite, you know, let him let him go to Shkudami. Uh He's going to light it up there in the big ice, and you know, if, if Wong starts to drop, maybe, but it's not. I don't see it being a a huge a huge need. I'd mm-hmm. rather them hang on to one of those later, at least one of those later picks. Yeah, I. I and in the heat of getting that first overall pick and having this and seeing the two players play, and I'm like, oh, can we get both of them? It, yeah. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then as I kind of thought about it, which is smart of you to say, wait two weeks, <laughs> um, you look at 2020, Gatno had four picks in that first round, yeah. and they went Leno, uh, Anaton Vero, uh, Savoy, and Warren. Mm-hmm. And look what they did in that rebuild. They didn't have to give up a lot of assets to go get – core pieces and i think like i kind of said two weeks ago when this is the draft that's going to set you up two years from now mm-hmm. if you have three pieces that hit in that first round you have three very good players that you don't have to spend as many assets down the road yeah. and like i kind of said when i re-asked this to you Baycomo had to give up that pick like mcisaac wasn't coming they weren't going to pass up on mcisaac mm-hmm. shakutami doesn't have to give up this pick and and I think if, if they swing with Moran, then you're looking, are you going to try and get up to three and four? Then I think you're going to see Richie on the floor mm-hmm. trying to get up to three to four because you can't get to five and hope one of those two falls. you got to get up to the next pick after Shakutami takes takes uh, Moran. Yeah, because you're not – I mean, Wong is just too good. Mm-hmm. But he's also – there's only I think there's only certain teams that he is willing to play for. Um, will he go to Valdor? I don't think so. Will he go to Ramuski? Possibly they're because they're of what they're more. what they're building. Yeah. Um, Ooh, him and Coughlin. Yeah. Pretty good back end. So if he go, if he goes to Ramuski, does he say, okay, well, let me let me play, let me go south of the border first, play one year there, and if you win the Memorial Cup, I'll, I'll sign. Right. That's yeah. that's kind of your. That's also a attractive piece if you're if you're a Muski. You say, okay, well, you know, you've you've got a choice here. We're not going to release you. Um, if you want to play south of the border for a year, go ahead. But the door is always open. Yeah. Right. You 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 come calling. I've got you on the next plane. Yeah. There's no. I don't think there's an airport in Muski, but we can because they're pretty well shift- find you a way here. Yeah, and they're shifting the culture, right? Like, yeah. Surges out. So depending on who the coach is, um, moving into there, it's. Mm-hmm. A lot of movement in the top five for the lottery, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of movement in the actual draft in the top five. Not in the top five, but I think once you get to that uh, sixth Six pick, pick. Yep. Um, there's talks of Ethan Gauthier going from Sherbrooke to Drummondville. Uh, and that, you think that's going to cost both? Six and 14? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably those two plus a first next year and maybe a second. 
it's going to be a it'll be a hefty trade because he's got two years. It's a two year player. Yeah. Right. Um, he's not good enough to make the NHL next year. He's not good enough to make the NHL. The, the well, maybe he is, but if you're on a if he's depends where he gets Drummondville's all in next yeah, year if they're acquiring yeah. Goche. Yeah. And then they're flipping him at the drafted next summer. Right. So that's <laughs> you know it, things are for the 2025 Memorial Cup hosts getting him. We don't get him for two years, but we'll take him for one. Right. That's that's where it comes in. You know, it's you've got those two Drummondville picks that are probably going to be flipped to, to Sherbrooke. And then from there, your whole mock drafts and it's just out the window, <laughs> yeah. right? Because it's, it's different organizational needs. Yeah. So it's um, it's gonna be interesting, you know. I think um, there's probably gonna be two, three, maybe four trades in the first round, which will just tie things up. Uh, which will probably make the first round. We're already at twenty picks. Four trades. We'll Depends. be lucky if that thing's over by 12. Hopefully they're a little bit faster because they're on the floor, not yeah. calling in and stuff like that. Yeah, we'll be lucky if that first round's over by 1230. Starts at 10. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for fans that are looking to put their rosters together, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk a little bit Moncton here, and we're going to get more Moncton actual draft the show before we go to um, Sherbrooke. But what are some of the teams that, people can look at rosters and start picking from is it it's it's obviously the Gatnos. Mm-hmm. Sherbrooke seems like they're kind of picked over yeah uh, some of the rumors Sherbrooke's Quebec, gonna be dead I was gonna be god awful next season yeah like, Quebec um yeah but I think that's I think it's really Gatineau Quebec I don't even think it's Halifax because I kind of think they're built for two years yeah um no can still be good next year yeah Victoriaville's no like where where should we be looking for roster players because I sent you a yeah. couple messages from a certain team moving first round picks for a um, couple guys that I mentioned, maybe one or two of them to add mm-hmm. to our forward depth. Mm-hmm. But where where should fans be looking? Because I mean, you look look around us. Shakutami is going to be good. Ramuski is going to be on our trajectory. Baycomo is going to be our trajectory. Kay Breton's coming up. Shawinigan. Yeah. Yep. I mean, a lot of teams that go all in and then have to trade assets. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. Sherbrooke's picked over. So where are we looking? So get a load of this one. I was driving. I went to. I worked in Edmondson a couple weekends ago, and I was listening to Taylor Swift. And when I listen to Taylor Swift, my mind is, you know, goes goes in different directions. I was looking. I wasn't looking because I was driving, obviously. But I was. I, was, <laughs> I, I had Gatineau's roster in my mind, and I'm looking at their brand spanking new rink, and I'm thinking they could sell off next season. And be just as good a year later to bid on that Memorial Cup. Instead of getting picks, you go and get players mm-hmm. for Luno, Warren, Vero, Savoy. Instead of going kind of rebuilding the cupboards, you instead of rebuilding, you retool. Just restack them. And by retooling, you are right there. On the same level as the Monktons, the Ramuskis, the Cape Bretons for that 2025 bid. You get a brand spanking new rink and you want to show it off on national TV. Here's your chance. No, because if it's not that, there's not another Mem Cup that's going to be around until 2028. And, and that's five years from now. You know, and it's. 
you look at five at years, that's a full new cycle. Halifax, Quebec, Sherbrooke's yeah. all over again. Yeah. So you're and, looking and, Gatineau can easily instead of rebuild, retool, which is a term we heard in Moncton every goddamn year when Roger <laughs> Shannon was general manager. How'd that work rebuilding out? Rebuilding was not an option. Never rebuild. Retool. Um never worked out. Yeah. <laughs> the tear down rebuild seemed yeah. to work quite well in those sixteen sixteen seventeen. Eh? Yeah. Long year, but imagine. Imagine. But it also gives Quebec Gives the QMJHL a Quebec market to put the Memorial Cup in instead mm. of three straight um, Memorial Cup holes in the Maritimes. Yep. And that's it. Like, do you actually physically, do you actually think the Q wants the Memorial Cup hosted in the Maritimes three consecutive years? Three consecutive times? I don't know. That's Moncton's disadvantage. That, that's, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's that's what Moncton is up against with the with the bidding committee. Yeah, it's not the rosters. It's it's the Quebec yep. versus maritime market. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're. Um, that's what I thought. I was like, you know what? This doesn't need to be a tear it to the ground rebuild for Gatineau. This can be you trade your four top guys, and you're just as good in a year. You know, you might have yeah. one. You might have one down year, but you're right there. But if you know if if those fans and they're smart enough to know if it's one down year to have a chance to host a Memorial mm-hmm. Cup, they're they're buying in. Yeah. Like you can think like it's you could have they could still be in a good position to get Goche in a year. Yeah. Right? Like that's that's the whole thing you gotta look at right now. There's Gatno doesn't need to, to tear it down. You know, they can No, they're not a Sherbrooke. No. Yeah, Sherbrooke is going to be, you know, dog yeah. shirt next year. Yeah. Like they're they're. I know I said this, but I think I said this about one some team a couple of years, but maybe this year about Bathurst. Mm-hmm. Or I said they might only win twelve games, but I was completely wrong. But yeah, that was Bathurst. But man, like it's Sherbrooke. It's like a third trade in everything. They are going to have next to nothing coming back, and they have nothing in the cupboards because they've been terrible at drafting recently. And, you know, that's, that's what I mean. They're going to want to make splash and they've, they've got everything. They've got a lot of ammo to bring to a, to, to a gunfight at the draft. If they want to completely tear it down and, and get into that first round with three, four, maybe five first round picks. Just trying to see what Sherbrooke even had, if they even have a, any picks next year for the draft, but. Ah, we'll maybe find it, figure that out uh, for next week. Let's go for some news and notes. News and notes from around the queue. All right, so speaking of Blaineville, um, their sale appears to be, there's, uh, on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, their sale appears to be imminent, uh, but they will, one of the conditions was keeping that team, keeping that team um, in the Blaineville area, which... Hopefully we'll have uh, Cedric on next week. We can maybe talk to him about that as he's going to help us out with some other Q teams. Um, no more trips to Freddie Beach in August for what? this classic Sea Dog Wildcat preseason games. Well, oh, come on, as there's there's always one. You think they'll keep one? At least one. I just figured they wouldn't have any since they're keeping them all. I I couldn't find the report before. Uh, actually, I think there's always one, in, at least one in Fredericton and one in. It's Buc- usually the it's usually the first one in Fredericton. Yeah, something like that. 
I understand. It's going to be great to have all the preseason games back in St. John, yeah. but you've, there's always one in Fredericton. There's always one in Bucktooth. There's always one in... Um, what's the other place up north there? Like a Karakat or a Trakadie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm just reading Sorry. the... Uh, the press release that Mike sent to me, and it doesn't say anything about not having a game. I just assumed since they were doing them in St. John, they were going to move them all to St. John. Yeah. Um, but looks like they're getting – oh, look at that, season tickets. Complimentary tickets to all preseason games. Imagine. Huh. Imagine. And they're doing a Sea Dogs Hall of Fame. Hmm. Imagine. Imagine. What's huh. a Hall of Fame? Hmm. Do we don't have that here? Absolutely not. Um, so, yeah, and now uh, the Gilles Courteau Trophy Finals has begun. Uh, it's 1-1 at the time of recording. I mean, uh. Halifax getting to the finals uh, down 0-2. They get Dume out of the lineup, and things just start to click. Imagine getting rid of your MVP, which we said. <laughs> they're going to, you know, that's the thing. Mm. They didn't have their MVP. They didn't have full row. Well, they didn't really need him. They went 4-0 to beat Sherbrooke, stun Sherbrooke. Um, in six, and they went down. Um, Quebec beat them in game one, and they came back to even the series in game two, stealing home ice, um, which was massive. I mean, I, I don't even want to say if they didn't win game two, it it might have been sixteen to zero for Quebec because Halifax was coming home. Um, but I think the most surprising part of the Halifax Sherbrooke series was they went 0-2 at home and started the run with two straight in Sherbrooke. Beating Sherbrooke three of three and four games at home when that team, I think, lost six games all year at home or something like that. Yeah, that was that was uh, impressive. You know, I, I hate to say it, but as a Wildcats fan, you've, I mean, you've got to respect what Halifax pulled off. Uh, you know, you, you lose Dume and why not? And you're like, oof, that, those are those are two big losses. Are they going to be able to recover? Um, and they did. Um, you know, they, they seem to, after that, after that second loss in, in Sherbrooke, uh, they, something happened, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, obviously, unfortunately, Braden McPhee lost his, uh, lost his mother after, after game two. And I don't know if that's kind of what brought them together, brought them together. You know, it's, uh, you win for him, you win for the family and, uh, they, to to pull off four straight against Sherbrooke really was a uh, was uh, surprised me surprised a lot of people, and then um, you know you it, it's kind of like the thing with Halifax though it's like they game ones they're like not there yeah you know they they lost to, to Moncton in game one they lost to Sherbrooke in game one they, they lost almost... to Quebec in game one and. It's, I can't they remember. didn't play well against Cape Breton. They ended up winning against Cape Breton, yeah. but I think they were being outshot fourteen to four in the first period. And yeah, Cape Breton couldn't find that first one. It just it's so it's like they're slow starters to a series, but once they get the the wheels the wheels in motion, like they're they're tough to put away. Yeah, and, sixteen uh, to sixteen to eight were the shots in that game one in the first period. And it was, yeah, and it was still two nothing Halifax. Like they had been outshot, and yeah. So I mean, full full marks to Halifax. Um, I will be the one to to sit here and eat the crow on my plate. You know, it's it's. Uh, I said, I said many times that Russo um, wasn't the goalie they they needed. 
mm-hmm. or they they need an upgrade, and he's he's proving me wrong. I think he's proven a lot of people wrong. And back to back shoutouts to close out Sherbrooke. Yeah, that's <laughs> like five nothing you know, and one nothing. Yeah, so that's um, you know, like I said, I, I'll 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 eat the crow on that one, and uh, but this this is going to be a good series. You know, it, it seems like um. You know, Quebec was in full control after game one, but then and they were in full control for the majority of that first period, but then late goals. Yep. You know, that late goal by, by Doucette at the end of the first period was... And then Zach gets a weird one from a yep. corner. That was that was the Lady Mo. You know, yep. the Lady Mo was that late goal in the first period, and that was the the turning point in that game. And then now we're back at in Halifax for two straight sold-out games and two sold-out games in 15 minutes. Uh, and uh, yeah, and game so, five is already sold out in Quebec. Yeah, looked like an unreal atmosphere. The the boys from mm-hmm. Nerdcast and um, Pittsburgh were there, and just that's what you that's what you build for. That's why you build. Obviously, we've said it many times. That's an NHL rink. That's yep. you know that that's a fantastic atmosphere. Of, I've been to one game. It was Shawinigan in Quebec. Randomly, I was more impressed with that than a mm-hmm. lot of games I've been to. Um, our friend Willie Paloff had an article out today, and Patrick Wall was in there asking. Just not asking for it because, but just mentioning like, why are we playing back to back nights in the playoffs, in the mm. finals, and stuff like that? And I kind of agree with them. Maybe not for the whole playoffs, but I think once you get to that third round and that fourth round when everyone's kind of beat up, especially the finals, they kind of should be playing a game, a day off, a game. Now that you know, I literally Monday when we recorded this, my Facebook status, which. Shout out to your wife who had a meme about there's no one I disagree with more than myself on Facebook in 2008. But in 2010, I was like, wow, what a comeback from the Calgary Hitmen over the Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Now we got to take on Taylor Hall and Spitfires. So you, you have to have these games like that was May 14th. Yeah, heartbreak. I know that was like the Memorial Cup used to be around the long weekend. Yeah. And now it's getting pushed back even farther and farther and. So I don't know if you can have – I think you should at least try to have a day in between games one and two, three and four. Mm. Then five, six, seven, do what you got to do depending on travel. But I, I kind of do agree with Patrick Quas, especially in the finals. So this – it comes back to that stupid extended training camp. Yeah. You know, the regular season used to start in freaking mid-September. And now these the regular season is not starting until end of September. Yep. That's the difference. And 68 games. Yeah. That's the difference. You've got a two-week difference from when the regular season used to start to where it starts now. Uh, and, you know, you could – I understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, it's it's not the NHL here. These just, the, They're the, used the, to the it, mil- though, the, the, million, the millionaires are the ones that need the day off, right? That's, yeah. you know, their their bodies are, are more, uh, you know, you know yeah. where I'm going with it, right? It's, yeah. Um, the the young players have more more energy to, to play the next day than the millionaires and so I think that's kind of why why they're doing it. I can't remember Q playoffs ever having a, a day off between each schedule. game. You know, it's always and I think that was kind of his point. Like, why are we in the you know continuing to do what I think he said dinosaurs or something like yeah. kind of making that reference and it, it's time sensitive because of the Memorial Cup. But mm-hmm. I think if you get to the finals, if you could try and put a at least the first four games just to give a rest because these are massive games. But again, yeah. these kids are used to it. They're playing 68 games, mm-hmm. three games of four nights all year long. And I know that a game 
May 16th means a little bit more than a game January 10th or November 11th. Uh, well, not November 11th. That's a pretty special game. November 9th. <laughs> um, they mean a little bit more. So we'll have to see if, if maybe the new commissioner kind of leans into that a little bit. But again, that's just one of those things the CHL has to come together and completely agree with. Like something as simple as putting patches on all the jerseys. <laughs> they can't get that together. I kind of got ripped for that as well because um, the OHL is the only league that uh, that's doing it. But, um, yeah, you want to talk draft? You want to talk to a guest? Yeah, let's do it, man. It's all right. Good times to do it. View from the other bench. All right. Well, again, draft season means we try to bring in guests from around the QMJHL to talk about their team's draft as well. Uh, this year in the East, we're going to go to uh, we're going to go back to Baycomo. We're going to go to a different Baycomo uh, supporter from Jakar Fanatic. He used to write for the QNews.net, and he was an ISS intern there. David Reed, how are you this evening, Dave? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Well, it's draft season, so Jeremy is uh, it's Jeremy's season to to kind of get things going. Um, oh, mine as well. Mine as well. I cannot wait for June 10th. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I guess first, are you going to be there in Sherbrooke? Uh, no, unfortunately. Oh. All right. Well, you can follow. I have fatherly duties to tend to. So the kid doesn't want to go to the draft. Uh, she's seven months old, so <laughs> no time. It's kind of hard. No it's time like the present to start. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously we're going to talk Baycoma. We're going to talk about the East division. Um, so first of all, thanks for joining us. I guess first question, yeah. um, we're going to look You're back. Very welcome. We're going to look back before we look ahead to the seven game series. Um, a war, if you will, between Baycoma Moncton. Um, obviously we won't talk about the overtime goal, but just your thoughts on your club going into that seven game series and coming out of that seven game series. Well, I, I knew right off the bat that it was going to be a hard-fought series. I mean, Baycomo and Moncton were nearly uh, – we're very close to each other in the standings, so I knew that it, it, it was going to be a long battle. And uh, how right I was. Yeah. Five games out of seven going into overtime. I mean, wow, what a series. What an emotional roller coaster it was. <laughs> I think uh, for both Moncton and Baycomo fans alike. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, yeah. You're you're right. Uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of yelling, uh, a, a lot, lot of, of blood pressure, a lot of blood pressure, a lot of cheering. Um, it was it was one of those series that you you know you're you're gonna look back on you know down the road and be like you know that was that was fun hockey. Yeah. You know that was it was one of those series where you hope your team wins, but at the end of the day you're like, you know what? Like this was it, it was fun. And you just hope that the team that advances, you know, does does what they can in the next round. And well, Moncton got that first win against Halifax. We did all we could. That's you know that's that was good enough for me. But no, that was like yeah, it was a month ago. But it feels like it was still you know last week. And I was fortunate enough to make it to Game Five, and uh, yeah, that was pretty awesome. That was one heck of a game right there. I mean, with the series tied two two, so that one almost felt like it was all for the for all the marbles, right there. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it definitely um, to set like not a lot sets records anymore with the history of the league, but to set a record with five overtime games and just you know, and both buildings, it took Moncton a while to get their building into it, but Baycomo was full. It looked raucous in there. I, I know some of the guys 
uh, aren't a fan of going to Bay Como just because it's a smaller rink and it's, you know, it's intense. And um, it just, the queue is very thankful in the first round that it had Bay Como and it had Moncton because the first round was not, was not anything um, to write home about uh, in terms of any of the, uh, any of the series. So I guess, how do you look at your club uh, coming out of that? Is there, you know, fan wise, like, is there excitement coming out of that? Or is there, you know, we need to make some, a lot of different moves. Like how, how do you see your team coming out of this? I think that first of all, it's going to be a lot of valuable experience for the younger players, especially like Justin Poirier, but even uh, guys on the back end, like Alex Bernier and uh, Julien Lantier, uh, those two young defensemen, they ate a lot of minutes in the playoffs. So I think it's going to be very valuable experience for them uh, for the years to come. And uh, it's only going to, they're only going to progress from there. Uh, Justin Poirier, like I said, I'm a big fan of his. <laughs> so already show that he is, he, he can, he's, I mean, he's an excellent regular season performer and he already showed that he's able to up his game come playoff time. So yeah, I think that there's a lot of excitement to come. Yeah. Felix Gagnon, uh, elite face-off man, Isaac Duford, what a captain, what a leader, what a power forward, man. I love his net crashing style. So yeah, a, a lot of exciting stuff to look forward to. And uh, I guess looking ahead at the um, to, to the draft, because I guess this is kind of a draft draft, uh, show, yeah. draft preview uh, show for us. Uh, looking at the order of the first round, uh, Bay Como has uh, the ninth uh, the ninth pick, so they're kind of halfway. Uh, what do you what do you see their um, I guess their position their position needs going in with that pick or do you even see that pick being used or can you see it actually do you see it being maybe traded for uh, for an asset for next season? Uh, this is just this is based on a personal opinion. I don't think that they're ready to trade for big well for big pieces yet. I don't think that they're ready to trade first rounders for big pieces yet. So I'd prefer seeing that pick being used instead of traded. And uh, like every draft nut, I mean, uh, everyone, every draft nut, you, they writes up a mock draft. Am I right? That's why we call so it I, Mr. Mock yeah. Draft. <laughs> and in my mock draft, I usually, I have a uh, Baycomo selecting Olivier Lampron, a t- power forward type of player at nine. Because uh, coach uh, J.F. Gregoire said at the end of the, uh, of his season that he would be looking for offense in the off season. And, uh, I think the only logical choice would be going for a forward with that ninth overall pick. Yeah, I guess I'll, uh, I'll I've got mine in front of me here. I don't have them going with with a forward. Uh, I went with the uh, the small defenseman Xavier Villeneuve if he likes to come to the the queue. I'm not sure if he's kind of in that uh, interesting in, interesting in that mindset, but <laughs> um, you know, it's I think he'd be a good compliment for. What you've got going on back there with uh, with Lanche and uh, Bernier? So, uh, but yeah, I had Lampro as the next, literally the next pick uh, to to ruin Aranda. So we're we're kind of on the same page there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I I I don't really see them picking a defenseman. I think in the first round at least, because uh, looking at their 
defensive squad, I don't think that there's going to be much place on defense for the next season. I mean, on the left side, you've got Fenenko, Lantier, Lavoie. On the right, you have Chouinard and Bernier. Maybe a place for a right-handed defenseman, but yeah, I I don't think there's going to be much spots on defense, which is why I saw them going forward. Mm-hmm. For with, a with a forward, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you threw him for uh, threw him for a loop. I, you know, we had yeah. Uh... But I mean that's but I mean that's the beauty of opinions. I mean we're we're able to discuss them. Yeah, exactly. And you know <laughs> you're you're the uh, the second big homo guy we've had on, and you know it just. All three of these teams in this division, minus Quebec, are just, I mean, they were within eight points of each other and um, with Baycomo, Moncton, uh, Shakutami, uh, and Ramuski. And, and, you know, those guys have picks before you. Um, and like I said, when we're going to have you on. We're going to talk a little bit of East. Quebec, they're going to be retooling. We kind of know that. We don't need to worry about them. But um, you see Ramuski a lot. Uh, you see Shakutami a lot. Shakutami's got four picks, um, two and 11, 12, and 16. Um, I mean, for a division that was so tight, what do you see with, with maybe a Shakutami or a Muski, uh in your division? Oh, man, that is bonkers. Eight points away from each other. Yeah. Oh, well. It's going to make for good hockey next year. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and especially... I, I'm looking very... for. I'm looking forward like two years forward, okay? The Baycomo is going to be content, looking to contend in the 24-25 season. But, I mean, look at the picks that Rybuski and Shikudemi have. I mean, if they use those picks and they don't trade them and uh, those picks develop into the players that I think they're going to become, I mean, the Eastern Division is going to be absolutely wild. I mean, the, uh, I, I, there's no words to describe it. Mm-hmm. it it's going to be nuts it's going to be bonkers i mean she could i mean already that she could had very very excellent prospects this year in maxim Marseille and thomas de Rousseau. now they have four picks this year i mean they have everything to build a winning team just from that and ramuski don't get me started on ramuski i mean <laughs> they also have the picks they also have the picks to make it happen I was discussing this with a buddy of mine, but I could see Ramuski maybe attempting to trade those picks maybe for already established forwards. I don't want to start any rumors, but <laughs> so I won't name any names, but I could see Ramuski trading for them and being a... A powerhouse? A, a powerhouse as of this year and only become even more powerful as of next season. Especially with the Memorial Cup coming back to the queue, so that's the thing. That's you're going to have those same four teams, kind of competing. Hopefully, Moncton can get the Memorial Cup, and then those those other three kind of competing to represent the queue uh, along with the host. So, um, you know, obviously, a lot of people going to be wild. Yeah, no pun intended. A lot of people have Denwayer going to the Wildcats at one. Um, that seems to be the prevailing opinion. So, I mean, it's a Hollywood scenario, especially with <laughs> old Elliot having played for the team too. Mm-hmm. So, and his uncle too, right? His uncle too. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I read that also. So you know, Jeremy's got his mock out. Um, Shakutami at two and Ramuski at five. Do you have Do you have picks there for them? Well, I don't. I don't see how Ramuski could pass over Emil Guité. I mean, one of the best 
snipers in the draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, he. I think he'd be a perfect complement for Derriso and Marseille looking down the road, going down the road. I mean, that's top line material right there. That's uh, some that. I mean, those three names. It's something to scare the crap out of opposing te- <laughs> opposing teams for years. And uh, at number five, uh, I don't know. I see if Vermuski doesn't trade it, I think I, I see them going with a, a small type of a small playmaking type of forward, a la Nathan Leconte. Okay. I mean, cha- 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 champion scorer in the the in the triple A triple A midget, mm-hmm. and I think he. I think he'd be a nice compliment for the young players that are already there. I mean, you look at, they have Coughlin and Gill on the back end, Paré that they also drafted. So, see, that's a nice top, that's a nice big three right there. Mm-hmm. After that, well, there's Saint-Denis, Sprinar, and Coursol. Uh, uh, I think they need another forward to complement that group of forwards right there. So, just, so uh, uh, that, that's why I see them going with Lecomte. Just, just out of curiosity, who would you... If you you know you have Moncton taking Dinoyer and Chikudumi taking Gite, who do you have at three and four with uh, Blainville and uh, Valdor? Okay, so at Blainville, well, considering that they drafted forwards in the first round these past few drafts, I see them going with a defenseman, and who better than a local product in Alex Wong? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And at uh, Val Valdor, I don't know. I kind of went off the board a bit, but there's one player that I really liked, and that I found that he progressed as uh, I, I he continuously continued progressing as the season went on, and that's uh, Sean Carrier. I don't know. Hey, uh, I I really like him. If he drop if he dropped to ninth, I'd be ecstatic, honestly. But I don't think that's going to happen. He's just too good, and he's he had just too much of a good progression over the season so no it makes for the sake i guess for the sake of transparency i'll i'll read uh i'll read my top five subject to change by june yeah. 5th yeah so um, uh, i can if i can only to if only you knew how many times i changed my mock draft over the last <laughs> week <laughs> um so yeah we're on the same page there with with one two and three um i actually I like have everyone's on the same page yeah one, two, um i actually have leconte going to valdor um, and I have Vermuski taking uh, Matteo Nobert from uh, from Lac Saint Louis. Oh wow! The, yeah, just for the sake of uh, of transparency there. So um, that'd be lethal for yeah. Ramuski. Yeah. Well, that'd be le- uh, it'd be lethal in Ramuski and lethal for other teams. Mm-hmm. I mean. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't think uh, uh, yeah Leconte. Uh, I I think the whole reporting thing um, to I don't think Nobert will go to Valdor. That's just a personal opinion. Um, oh yeah, I forgot. I, uh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, so it's like the whole Lex and we, right? Yeah, they they seem to have a um, what's the term here? Uh, the what's the word that I'm looking for? A preference for the NCAA. Preference. They also have. Uh, there's another word that I'm looking for. Um, that they don't want to go to Valdor. No, it's like they uh, swagger. Not swagger. Oh my god, it's it's. Um, it's it's right on the tip of my tongue, but I can't uh, I can't think of it. But our uh, fan listeners are yelling at the radios right now. Uh, but yeah, you're you're right. Preference, right? They can they're they're the players who can they can choose where they want to go, um, just because they're it's kind of that it's 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 like that more it's the more of a bilingual 
probably the more bilingual Option. market, right? Yeah. It's um. So that's where I I don't think I don't think he goes to Valdor, but I also I think he. Oh, no, that's a very him. valid point. Yeah. I think he would he would go to Ramuski just based on what they're on what they're building. Well, and on the pedigree too. I mean, as a yeah. franchise, I mean, look at the players that went through the that played for the team. I mean, just playing for getting a chance to play for the same team as Sidney Crosby or Vinny LeCavalier. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a once in a lifetime chance. So, um, I guess before we, we let you get out of here, uh, we got the Q draft and then we get the import draft. Um, obviously Malofsky was Jeremy's rookie of the year pick. And, you know, he was one of the two dynamic players that Moncton had to worry about shutting down in that, that first round series. But, um, obviously I'm, I'm assuming he'll be back. Uh, Nicholas Faninko, um, do you think he'll be back or like, do you think Bay Como passes on both, um, import selections or do you think they kind of maybe make one and see who kind of wants to report? Uh, I don't know. This is a really hard one. I love Milovsky as a player. I didn't bring this one to you. So pardon? I said, I didn't prep you with this question like that. I was going to bring the, uh, the import job no, that's, into it, so I apologize. No, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. Okay, but like I said, I love Milovsky as a player, but the problem is the two current imports that Baycomo have do not fit with their current cycle. I mean, they're going to be contending for the 24-25 season, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. except that they're both going to be overage players. Uh, they're going to be, they're both going to be overagers at that age. They're not going to, Baycomo is not going to keep two overage imports. Right. So. I think that they should probably try to trade one away, whoever brings in the most value, and uh, at least and draft at least one, at least for this year, so that he the said import can fit with the team's cycle. Yep, we'll take Malowski. I'd rather fit, I'd uh, rather make a pick. He doesn't fit our cycle either. I'd yeah. rather make a pick. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, and that's that's well, yeah, that's it. I'd rather fine. make a pick too. <laughs> You gotta I'd rather a... make I'd rather make a pick and but try to trade one of them away. I don't know if everyone is going to agree with me on this because yeah. I know that Malovsky and Fenenko are loved in the Baycomo fan base. I love them too, but like I said, you need to think about when the team is going to contend and not in the near future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they take up unless two years down the road the uh, the Q changes the twenty year old rule somehow and you know. 20 year old goalies don't count to it or you're like whatever they do, but you, you got to look at that because they take up two roster spots for a yep. 20 and a Euro. And that's, yep. I mean, if you keep both of them, a forward and a defenseman, you're really hamstrung in your, your group for veteran leadership. So, um, exactly. Yeah, man, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us, uh, tonight. Um, fans of Baycomo obviously know where to find you, but, um, anybody listening that wants to get your opinions on, on other teams, just where can they uh, where can they find your info? Uh, well, uh, on Twitter, on Twitter, I have my my main account, I guess that it's uh, that I well, it's now my main account called Drakkar Fanatic, and if not, well, uh, I don't have much fan pages or blogs or anything. So uh, Instagram is my, my Instagram handle is masterread thirty nine, but I don't post any hockey stuff on there. So it's mostly going to be on Twitter, Drakkar Fanatic. Drakkar fanatic. And it's gonna it's gonna be mostly about Drakkar information, but I mean people, but I mean fans of the other teams who are interested in knowing my opinions on other teams can hit me up without a problem, and it'll be my pleasure to discuss. Uh, you and like, are you you're not affiliated? That's the wrong word, but um, you and the Drakcast, you guys communicate on on things like you guys work together on 
on different opinions? No, or are you two kind of no, I, no. We spoke. Uh, well, we spoke a few times in the past, but I mean, it's been a while since me, him, and I have hooked up. Oh, okay. I, I I personally would like to converse with him more, but I get I, I don't know if he's a bit too busy or anything, but. Uh, yeah, I definitely like to do. Uh, I like. I definitely like to collaborate with him in the future. Yeah. All right, Louis William, you heard it here. He wants to communicate. You guys put a Zoom podcast together and get a big Como podcast. Let's fill this league with with podcasts. You, you down yeah. for that? I'm sure. I'm sure we hit it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for the you know you you got the the love for Bay Como and the disdain for Moncton after seven games. So you guys should get along just uh, just fine. No, my disdain was just in the moment. I mean, it, it, it passed. Hey, man, it, we'd have had the exact same disdain the week after uh, on our platform. So, like, <laughs> like we said many times, we understand how you guys would feel because we'd feel the exact same way. Uh, but, again, this is a lot of fun. Hopefully we can do this uh, again maybe in the off season and, and definitely. Yeah, I had, the, yeah, uh, I had a blast. Season, <laughs> All right, well, you enjoy the, uh, you enjoy the draft, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up another night. Yeah, thank you very much for having me once again. Thank you. So, I thought we had the same. <laughs> name, I thought we had the same Baycomo guy. I was like, yeah, who's this David guy? <laughs> Wasn't his name with Louie? Yeah, they. I was they like, did, oh, okay. They did seem kind of similar, um, voice wise, but um, definitely you can tell the fan part of it. Just you know, he's excited for that division, yeah. and that's going to be one of the better divisions, not only next year, but in, and we said it like. Moncton's competing for 25 mm-hmm. and that's we could see Baycomo and Moncton in a third rounder or a final mm-hmm. um, down the road draft wise anything he caught you off guard with or just kind of um, interesting looking that from had, afar yeah the the Sean the Sean Carrier um, Valdor that's um, it's not it's not off the board uh, I just eighth overall. Yeah, I just think there's a better option there for for Valdor. Um, and the uh, you know the small they need. What that team needs is a player who's going to have a similar impact to what an Alexandre Doucette or a Justin Robida had in Valdor, and I think that's that's Nathan Leconte. I think he's. Like Alexandre said, he is a game breaker. Oh, uh, you mean progression? Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. thinking like they need a twenty-year-old like a no, 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 no. Setter. I, you mean yeah, draft they, one? Yeah. They to, they need a game breaker. Um, Kerry is a good player. Like he's he he loves the game. Like he's one of those always smiling, loves the game, works hard. But they need offense. Yeah. They need someone who's who's going to put the puck in the back of the net. That's going to be a leader from day one. Uh, and that's and that's Nathan Leconte, which is why I have him uh, as my my pick going to Valdor. Yeah, and they're kind of in that same situation that we are with uh, Barbashev, except we're not going through it with a an all in year mm-hmm. where you got a twenty and and a euro. Um, I mean, if you're gonna do that for someone, Malovsky, by the time he's twenty, mm-hmm. you're keeping that you're keeping that spot, and you're hopefully hopefully moving on from Finenko and seeing what you can get. Uh, for him, maybe for a team, a five-six defenseman in an all-in type, type year with an open, uh, open roster spot. So, um, Shakutami Ramuski, anything jump out you there? 
No, we're we're pretty much on the same page. Uh, I think Gite. a lot of people have those three players going yeah. one, two, three. Yeah, Gite and 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 Wong are kind of those, and and Dinwaye, Gite, and Wong are probably your your one, two, threes. Um, I would be surprised if it's not Leconte at um, at four going to Valdor. Uh, I think it kind of starts at five. I think that's where things can really take a uh, a crazy wild turn that was going to be my question quick question next week where yeah. does the draft start does it start at four does it yeah. start at five yeah. does it start at six with the trade you um, answered that you know it, it's it's i think no bear fits perfectly with ramuski mm-hmm. uh and and david covered all the all the same uh you know playing in that same organization as as crosby and the cavalier and brad richards and uh and and that can lafreniere you know it's They've got that opportunity to host. It's a very attractive market right now. So yeah, I really think it starts at six. Um, you know, will will that Drummondville pick be traded? Uh, and and if so, is it going to Sherbrooke for uh, for Goche or is it going to Gatineau for maybe a Luno? Uh, you know, it's um, there's a couple options that um, that can go there, uh, or maybe you know Drummondville somehow pulls off the Goche trade and. Sherbrooke gets six, and then Gatineau gets their later pick for Luno or something in that in that area. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, but Drummondville seems to be a team that they're focused on winning next year, and uh, they're going to make the moves to to make sure it happens. So they're they're a team to watch at the draft for sure. And that is one of the names that I spoke about uh, off the record that uh, I wouldn't mind having here for a couple of years, especially if we're yeah the price is the price is too high. And no, I'm not ready for it. I'm not paying. If I'm not paying for Goche next season, I'm not paying for Luno. So no, in my opinion. All right. Well, I've got your quick question for next week or next within the next two weeks already. Um, so I'll have to get uh, have to save that one up. But uh, yeah, that's it for us. That was a that was a fun first uh, draft episode. Um, we're back in two weeks now. Uh, so again, a big thanks to David Reed from Dracar Fanatic. Uh, for joining us to talk Bay Como as well as a little bit of the Eastern Division there. Uh, we are back in two weeks. Uh, we're looking to have Cedric from Blaineville um, to talk about the Armada and maybe some of the Western Conference Quebec teams, see if there's maybe a scenario where they move back mm-hmm. to get some assets because that's a team that they built with. They were built with Gay and Lawrence, mm-hmm. and then that just, once Patrick Gay went pro and then they didn't have Lawrence, they kind of emptied their cupboards to get those players. Is there a scenario where they move back instead of adding said one player. Um, and, uh, yeah, as well, don't forget, we will be live in Sherbrooke for the draft June 9th and 10th. We're doing the media roundtable again uh, on that Friday night. That's the hope anyways. Uh, so tune into that probably on the YouTube if I can make it happen. Um, but, yeah, that's it for, for Jeremy. I'm Adam. See you guys in two weeks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast Podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast.